Hello and welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast, where it is our 150th episode of this fine, fine podcast. Thank you for being with us. Whether you're with us from the start or whether you're a relatively new listener, we really, really appreciate it. And to celebrate uh, reaching this landmark, we reached out to the club for uh, a comment. Uh, we got one from Gary <laughs> Rowett. He said, the Wizards of Drivel podcast has been a fantastic podcast for this club. But that was two or three years ago. And we have to move forward. I'm surprised they didn't chant Stoke City Etc.'s name because that was a fantastic podcast for the club. (laughs) Joining me, joining me is Chris Brammer. Hello, Dave. And hope you're well. And have had a lovely Christmas. I did really all things considered uh ben how was your christmas ben cartwright is here i had a lovely christmas it's been a wonderful time actually except for the for the stoke results i think it's been fairly 100 percent positive um which mm. i'll take well, at this stage you've alluded to the stoke results it's been a while since our last uh, episode for various reasons uh mostly my fault uh, but since <laughs> since we last spoke, we have beaten Millwall one nil at the Bet Three Six Five Stadium. We have lost two nil at St Andrews to Birmingham City, and yesterday it finished Bolton nil, Stoke nil at the snappily titled University of Bolton Stadium. And the natives are restless; people are not happy right now. And uh, Chris, would you be able to Ooh. to summarise why that is? Um, I think it's a mixture of, well, I I think Gary Rowett's post-match comments have not helped make people, uh, I think that, I think his comments have turned people against him in the sense that he comes across as as arrogant, but I think, uh, mainly people are frustrated and fed up because they're bored of us. I'm bored of us. I'm bored of how we play. I'm bored of our pedestrian nothing come of it football it's i'm like fed up of us playing this possession for possession's sake football only to then lump it you know tippy tappy around the back to then pass to a fullback who lumps it up forward and nothing comes of it we we make small gains going up the pitch we, we are really really boring to watch um i think people are just fed up of of how Rowett's playing we're, we're fed up of Balls going out wide and knowing that the crosses will inevitably be shit. We're fed up of them in no shots and being forced to play from deep. We're fed up of not having any guts to play a creative midfielder and have no creativity. Fed up of Peter Crouch coming on who's not had a shot since September. I think everyone's just a little bit bored and fed up what like what is what is there to be excited about for stoke at the moment in terms of how when you go to watch stoke what is excited about it because i am absolutely fed up of watching us and i didn't think it would (laughs) it could happen that a manager would make me actually not want to watch stoke play i i said it yesterday that i would quite happily have just like a instant result button where it would transport me to the end of 90 minutes so I wouldn't have to watch it and the results just done and dusted it's just boring Dave 
Ben, I wonder if you could answer that question. What what is there to get excited about with Stoke at the moment? Is to play slightly devil's advocate, uh, although I really don't really agree with this this take. Is it just a result of over expectation? Are people did people over oh, sorry underestimate the size of the job Rowett had to do, or is it kind of deeper than that? I'm going to be honest with you. I think before the Millwall game, I think if we'd recorded this podcast, it would have been a completely different um, opinion from myself because I went to that Millwall game very excited. I thought, we've got three games coming up here over the next few days over the Christmas period that I feel like we can win all of them. I feel like we could really start the route revolution and I just feel like a completely different man at this stage now. I don't know how I ever thought that. I don't know how I ever sort of saw it going completely well. Obviously, it's such a, a turgid game. And I think... Obviously, there was a lot of expectation, um, but this this expectation wasn't just built from Stoke fans. Um, this was something that was built from Rowett at the start of the season, saying this was one of the best squads. This was something that we heard from all, all sides. So I don't think it's fair to sort of blame ourselves and be like, oh, what are we thinking here? What like We should be expecting more, because at the very least, we should be expecting a team that can... Um, that can play football and 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 have a game plan. We we, it it just feels like we're on rinse and repeat mode. It's the same same thing. I mean, we want to get excited. We want a team that we can believe in. But as you say, Crouch still being on. I literally this is this this shows how similar it it has been for a long time. I and I've said this before. I think, but on my Facebook, uh, this this day like five years ago, I'd Peter Crouch get out of my club. I mean. I've famously not. I'm not. I'm not. I've never been that big a Peter Crouch fan as much as other people. But we're we're at a stage now where it's just these these things that we're trying. They're not going to change. We're we're a madman of a football club. It's the recent change in the team. What? So um, yesterday we brought in um, a Phobie and Edwards, and the rest of the team was exactly the same to the absolutely. Shocker we had against Birmingham. The the just classic sort of Hughes era as well. One nil win that no one is going to remember forever because it just was so nothing. We've changed a phobie and Edwards. Right, Edwards, fair enough. Martina, he's been having a bit of stick. He's not been playing well. Change, bringing in a phobie, Berahino is not going to change the side. It's like it's like changing the star at the top of a Christmas tree and expecting it to change from a plastic Christmas tree into a real Christmas tree. It's just not going to happen. It's not It's not going to change the, fo- the football that we're playing because the problems are so much deeper. And then to top it all I, off, Rowick comes out I and think... says, Bojan isn't going to change it. Yeah. I think, uh, do you know, Ben, Ben, you've absolutely like hit a nail on the head there, which like I, after yesterday's result, I wouldn't go as far as... I, I've seen a load of people like say, oh, that's it, this is the final straw, Rower out. And I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not at that stage simply because, one, I don't think... I think that the problems with this club are far deeper than just Gary Rowett playing negative football. And I think we almost need to completely tear up this team and rebuild it from scratch. Um, and, and then secondly, I think if you know, the board were to act out of... like Let's be honest, the board are not going to sack Gary Rowett, but if they were, like, realistically, who are they going to appoint? Because who they appoint is not who 
I would like them to appoint. It's going to be a foot, another football man, boring appointment that's conservative in it and and dull. I, I just don't, and I don't. Do you know what? I don't even trust that a new manager would be able to get something different out of these set of players. So little is my faith in the entire club from top to bottom at the moment. I, I just don't know if getting rid of one single entity in Gary Rowett would change. I think, that. I think the scary um, thing for me is that we've. We've already reached this stage with Rowett. Like people have different opinions on Rowett out routing already. Like we're at this this sort of like pur- purgatory stage where it's like with Mark Hughes for ages. Where it's kind of like we went from game to game being like, "Oh, Hughes out, Hughes out," and then the next game it was like, hey. "Well, he's done all right, but I, I wouldn't really care if he went." And I feel like we're already at that stage. Yeah. How long have we had Rowett? Mm. And it's already like no one would actually I... care if Rowett left tomorrow. But at the same time, many people would be like. Rowett generally, I'm I'm sort of closer to that. I don't really I, care, but how are we already there? Yeah, I, I do. I'm gonna. I do think that Rowett has had that against him from the start because I think as a, I think we're right. There was an expectation that we were going to be challengers, and we sh- and we should be. We should have been challengers for the league. We should be, um, but we're we're not. Um, and I think that Rowett turning us down in January of last year to stay at Derby just subconsciously doesn't sit well with us. He's turned us down before. It's it's easy to then come back when things don't go well to bring that back up and just be like, well, he, he clearly doesn't actually care about the club anyway. He's just here to to do a job. So I don't know. What do you think, Dave? And and that would be that would be fine if he didn't actually care that much. If he backed up with results, I mean, he's been likened to a, a really really low budget Mourinho in the sense that he <laughs> he just chips off at the fans and his football is dire. But at least with the kind of latter years Mourinho, he's, he grinds out results and he gets a team generally where they want to be. Although not this season. But the thing with Rowett is um, sort of going back to Mark Hughes. When it came time for Hughes to go, we were, we were were kind of mocking the attitude of, oh, who do you get in then? Because it was it felt like uh, unambition on the part of our fans. It, the, for the fans who said, oh, who do you get in then when Hughes was going, it, it felt like they were talking the club down. Why can't we get a, a better manager than Hughes? Why can't we get an exciting appointment? But... Given the the track record of Lambert then Rowett, that you don't trust this board to get someone good in because because they clearly either don't have the the will or the means. I think they saw Gary Rowett as the adventurous out there appointment rather <laughs> yes. than yeah fucking Martin O'Neill or fucking <laughs> Mick McCarthy or whoever. He he in either Scholes or John Coates or Peter Coates's mind was like getting in uh, Hassenhurtel or something. It's like, Gary Rowett, he's he's not even managed a team to 16th in the Premier League. Oh, How man. can we trust him? <laughs> um, but that being said, there was a general idea of Rowett as, as an up-and-coming young manager, someone who was ambitious, clearly, because... If you speak to Derby and Birmingham fans, they will say like his heart may have not been really in it there. He was looking ahead to the next job, and he declined our job because he thought 
being on the upswing with Derby was a better career trajectory for him than being on the downswing with Stoke. Fair enough. Fair but enough. What we've got with Rowett is exactly the kind of manager that uh, some of the board probably wanted anyway. He is just Mick McCarthy but thin. He's <laughs> he's just a complete bland, non-entity, English, dig your heels in, pedestrian, anti-football, steaming, festering turd this... uh, uh, of, of a manager. And that... You can accept that from Tony Pulis because Tony Pulis backs that up with results. When Hughes was chipping off uh, towards the end of his reign, at least he'd earned the right to chip off a bit and and make yeah. Da- yeah, yeah, yeah. he'd make daft comments, but at least he'd earned the right to do that. What the fuck has Rowett done to earn anything? What the fuck's he done to to make? Remarks like uh, "Oh, uh, boo me, not the place." We are booing you. <laughs> we're, sing- we're, we're literally singing Gary Rowett. Your football is shit. Uh, yeah. Uh, how much plainer can we make it? Uh, the Bojan thing is a, a separate issue. Uh, for me, it's not even really about Bojan. It's about yeah. the broader thing of what it represents. There is this is a team so lacking in creativity and adventure that of course we're going to sing for Bojan. Of course. It's like regardless of whether you think Bojan is a deity or an okay squad player, like what 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 the what the fuck is Crouch done to be on the bench? He's putting Tyrese Campbell on the bench and using him the same way Lambert did, and just like oh god, he's yeah. young, just oh god, chuck him on, chuck him on, and 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 then in in the middle of a game where we're dour and nothing against Bolton, he takes Tom Ince off for him. Yeah, it's it's. So tedious, and but I, I asked the it's question. Draining. I asked the question: Who do we get in? Purely because I don't trust this board anymore to get in someone who can excite the crowd. Um, it, it's draining as well. Though. Yeah. That's the thing. Like I feel mentally exhausted having to put effort in to talk about Stoke with people. It's just exhausted, like, mm. just been, because it's so... It's the same conversation. It's such a non-entity. And, and there's, this, there's this duality of, of Gary Rowett, where in my mind I'm kind of, like, defending him on one hand, thinking he needs a season to build his squad. Let's see what it's like at the end of the season. It clearly takes time to get a squad turned around, which, you know, I accept. And then I see, ah, oh, Leeds had Bielsa in for pre-season and now look at how they play football. Like, it, it, it infuriates me that we can't do that. We can't suddenly play better football like that and 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 we have stopped the stupid stupid mistakes that we had like we we do look a bit we a better defensive unit albeit the Birmingham game aside we just and, and we and we control possession well like there were times yesterday where I'm like I'm impressed by how sometimes when we're put under pressure in midfield we can retain the ball we can work out a, that would have been a complaint meant like this time last year, the fact that our midfield doesn't do anything. It can't control the game or Who's anything. I think we can control it now. We just don't... We, we, we're we scared to get forward and start mm. building attacks. 
And, and the fact that Gary Rowett thinks that Klukas and Allen are our attacking midfielders, so I think that explains a big issue in what he he sees. His his insistence on not playing a number ten is is bewildering because it's quite clear. Fuck, it doesn't even have to be Bojan. Doesn't even he's, he's Bojan is clearly gone, and and that as annoying as that is to me. Because I think he is a creative outlet. Like, even if you consider the fact that he's passed it, he's a better outlet on the bench than Peter Crouch. Like, it's so obvious we need a creative midfielder, an attacking midfielder, a number 10, and he just won't play it. And Fuck it, I, I, That's stressful. Yeah. What's, he, what's he done wrong? This is the issue. There's the, how long have we lived with managers that which just don't make sense? Do other football teams have managers where they bring on a sub and people oh. just nod and they're just like, "Yeah, that that's probably the right substitution," because that is something. <laughs> just little things like that. When does that ever happen to us? Really? I mean, come on, every single game, it's like, what is going on here? It is exhausting, and it's not going to change. It's just not going to change. As you say that we. I, I've given up hope now. I'm giving up hope of, of not only for Raoult, but for the future, as you say, Dave. We're not going to bring in someone that is going to be different. We're gonna we're just another rubbish championship side, and I just don't see it changing back. And, and what worries me as well is we're about to go into a January window and I don't hear any rumblings of anything, and that concerns me because at least if you're hearing something, you can assume that the club are going to be busy. I don't know what business they're going to do. If they do if we don't sign a central defender, then it's an absolute... I don't want to use the word disgrace because there's a lot more things that are disgraces, but come on. <laughs> We're absolutely screaming for someone that can actually defend and pass. Yeah. We're, we're properly well and truly in the wilderness now. This is, this is a, around when I first started getting into to Stoke, uh, admittedly after the playoff um, playoff win, and it was Stoke were like this. Then it was just like, particularly like Pulis's first spell. It'd just be like you'd go to a game, it would just be a, a slog to watch. We'd finish about mid table, and it's really galling to write off this season having. Yeah. Having been favourites, having spent all that money again, like it's all well and good saying this this was a longer term project that that needed work. The work needed to be done in the summer, and I think the board just thought, right, we'll get Rowett in, and there you go, problem solved. We have so many players we still need to get off the books. We haven't properly invested in the right areas now. Ince, good signing. McLean, fine. Afobe. Good signing. Woods, good signing. Klukas, yeah, all right. Five good players there. But at the back, we've bought in Ashley Williams. Slow. Martina, terrible. And on two loan deals, we didn't invest in the the back line at all when Ryan Shawcross is clearly, unfortunately, past it. And it's all well and good getting McLean, Inton, Afobe in, but where is the supply coming from? Where, what is the plan to use them? It's just v- yeah. vaguely stick them in. It's not even a front three, is it? It's it's a, a phobie and then uh, 50 yards away from them, McLean mm. and Ince. It's so, so... And it's, it's, I think it's almost part of his arrogance that he doesn't change it. it it's we, we play every game like the away side, which is fine when you're away at Leeds or away at Norwich. But 
the bottom four, we've played three of the bottom four away from home and drawn all three, Reading, Rotherham and Bolton. Three terrible yeah. sides. And even the terrible sides we play at home, Ipswich, Millwall, we look bang average. We don't look that much better than them. Uh, no. We've played really well in one game this season for me, and that's uh, Derby at home. And that was kind of a, a special circumstances. And again, is it just Rowett's ego that led us to victory in that game? Because you saw all the snakes and everything, you thought, right, I'm going to actually properly manage this one. Uh, just want to uh, hit on the atmosphere at Bolton yesterday. A uh, lot of chance for Gary Rowett, your footballer shit. A lot of booze during the game, a lot of booze at half-time. Uh, where do we stand on kind of uh, making our feelings known? Because, as as you guys say, I'm just so apathetic that... I'm not even gonna, you know, chant and scream for our out because what what will it change? It'll just maybe prompt the board into getting Mick McCarthy. <laughs> and um, what I would say is, uh, booze if we are terrible and haven't won or or have lost. You know what? Fair enough. If the football is that bad, then yeah, sing Gary Rowett your football shit. Sing for Bojan. Because whilst we all acknowledge he's off, at least um, he's going to leave knowing that that the fans still really appreciate him. But does Rowett not have a point about the booze made play when we when we keep possession and pass the ball back? Because that has wound me up a few times this season. Yeah. We're not a fan base used to keeping the ball for most of the yeah. game, and that is unsettling a lot of people. Yeah. Um, I firstly find that really, really annoying when some, yeah. sometimes there's no option there and sometimes you have to pass it back to us or pass it back exactly. to Shawcross or Williams. I think there has uh, to be so some booing, there. Yeah. yeah. Booing individual moments is really poor. Okay, in the, t- in the totality of it, if we're doing that all through the game, then by all means boo at half-time or full-time or whatever, but it's... It can't be good for the players. That I think it's. I think that's really poor and shows a lack of, lack of awareness more than anything. Yes, it's definitely. You can definitely tell about. You can definitely tell it affects them. You can tell because every time it happens, or not every time, but but it happens often where we're booing. It goes back to Shawcross, and Shawcross goes on one of those sort of twenty-yard runs where he doesn't really seem to ever be <laughs> in full control of the ball, but he sometimes sort of muddles his way through, and it's like, yeah. go on, Ryan. <laughs> Like everyone knows you're still you're not at it anymore, but you're trying. Um, but yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't. Ryan Shawcross does not get the patience he deserves, and we've talked about that many times before. Um, and I think for me, it gets it gets me frustrated when when you when you're booing a, a pass sort of back because sometimes you need it. But I guess yeah. it's, it's 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 building up. This isn't this isn't now. It isn't just a, a one-off where we're we're playing it to the back too much. It happens every game. So c- can you blame people for sort of carrying over? That mis- this impatience, mm. I don't know. Maybe it, it doesn't help though. It definitely doesn't help. There's no doubt. Mm. Uh, Matt Swift booing after ten minutes is ridiculous, but not as ridiculous as not changing that system after forty-five minutes. Uh, and the important question, Chris, from Colonel Pedantic: Can you trust anybody who says Coldplay are their favourite ever band? <laughs> no, no, you can't. <laughs> you you can't because Next question because. And I'm sorry to alienate like fan 
fan base here, like seventy percent of dads who listen. Yeah, but <laughs> like if you if if your favorite band is is someone as soulless as Coldplay, then you clearly don't have any form of creativity. I have a list, Dave. Dave, I've <laughs> I've written a list of bands who, in the interview process, we should be they they should be like. They should be. Oh, oh! What's your favourite band? You mention any of these bands, and you're you're like off off the list. Just give them a um, phone with Spotify for an hour and see what they play. Yeah, yeah. I've got. I mean, I've got. <laughs> I've got a list of things. If you say, if you say Coldplay, your favourite band, Cortinas, Fratellis, Kaiser Chiefs, Kasabian, oh God, we're, we're, el- we're eliminating the indie fans. Coral, the Libertines, Elbow. I'm also eliminating Peter Crouch from being our manager. Um, if you like bucket hats, if you think that video of Kevin and Perry where Perry comes back from the Oasis gig is funny and you always share that uh, around festival time. And, and and if you think Paul Weller is a fashion icon, basically anyone who... Ooh, we should have to go with the mod father. <laughs> I'm just saying, if, if you're like, oh yeah, I'll get a haircut. Like, you know, no offence to to Paul Weller and, and any of those bands I'm sure like <laughs> no offense. one of those songs no offense. No you're offense. basically you shouldn't be given the job you should be absolutely just no. thrown to the side of society but no offence you, you can do you can do other things <laughs> just I just don't think you show the creativity to be a manager of a football team I have I mean I mean that's that's our fan base gunning for me now isn't it fuck it I don't mind yeah. I'll, I'll make a list of bands who I think it is acceptable you're walking on to be fire. <laughs> I, w- I would say that um, Gary Rowett probably, yeah, his favourite band's Coldplay. I would add Muse to that list. I would, I would say <laughs> Gary Rowett's second favourite band is Muse. Uh, his favourite film is The Godfather, but he hasn't seen it. He just says that. Um, his favourite podcast is that Peter Crouch podcast. He loves the banter. Yeah. Um, What's his favourite TV series? Uh... The One Show. Oh, Mrs. Oh, Brown God. boys. He's, he, he's that middle of the road. Wow. The One Show. Wow. Just like just like settling down at seven o'clock with a cup of tea in the One Show. I did. I did start trying to construct... plain digestives, not even <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> I did try and start writing a list of bands who, if they mention them, uh, that's an automatic. You're hired. Um, and so far, all I've got is Wu Tang Clan. So. <laughs> So, yeah, that's all. What manager is into the Wu Tang Clan? Do I don't know. I don't know, but it's, but you know, if they are, they which member get of the, hired him. Which member of the Coates family knows any Wu Tang Clan as well? That's the question. <laughs> I think, I think that just means I just want the Wu Tang Clan as managers in our club. <laughs> oh well, fair. Yeah, fair. Fair enough, Chris. Uh, could they do a worse job? Exactly. I've had I've had better theories on this podcast than that, so. <laughs> and I've had worse. It's where fine. Do you, where do you stand on on the Strokes? Because obviously, with our bands FC being Stroke City. Oh God, yeah. I like the Strokes. I like I, the Strokes. I feel. Yeah, I, I nothing. The but strokes, they're they're on the list. But... They're on that. They're they're quite close to that list of bands. Not well, not it's too just... close. It's, it's just it's just Chris's indie hatred yeah, coming out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, just bear in mind, I'm very prejudiced against anything that is indie. Oh, you went to see Stone Roses when they reformed. Good for you. Like, <laughs> I, I, I am, I am just full of hate and vile, and and that's 
and that's just me. Fair, okay. To be fair, that that the hiring process that you are sort of forming there, it probably, it probably makes more sense than the one at Stoke currently. I would I would wager probably. that that your your method it's, of of bands that they don't I mean, like or do like is better. Fuck, it's it's worth a Netflix documentary series at least. <laughs> Gary Rowett's favourite drink is a Green King IPA. Yes. <laughs> uh, on that related note, uh, I think the biggest debate outside of Rowett in out is uh, apparently it's five pedigree in the Twelve Pints of Bass Christmas song. I've never heard um, that. So, well, see, this is the thing. Uh, Duck Mag and Rob Doolan on Twitter have uh, argued that it, it should go. Seven pints of bass, six pints of bass, five pedigree, four pints of bass. Now, uh, fine, but I've never heard that in all my years supporting Stoke. I think sometimes, uh, guys, you've got to let it go. I I like the idea of Stoke being so homogenous that we only ever drink pints of bass (laughs) and we wouldn't dare... um, Liven things up with something as exotic as a four pound twenty pint of pedigree from the Bethic Six Five Concourse. We still don't do cashless payments, guys. I hate this club so much. <laughs> what are we doing? In the main stand, in the main stand, there are card machines. What uh, posh posh I paid, Tory seats? I, I paid for a I paid for a pint with a with a card the other day. Was it was it contactless? Yeah. I mean, oh of course, my God. Yeah. it wasn't sort of signature. It wasn't sort of, we've got car machines, but you have to now sign with a receipt. It's like, we're only go, we're going step by step. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've, the they've gone full-blown um, contactless, I think. Um, wow. Things can only enough get enough better, enough eh? for the poshos. Yeah, well, uh, I don't feel that's, that's right, Ben. I, I feel that it should be all for one and one for all. I completely agree uh, with you. You should have, talking about pedigree. You should have seen how excited my dad was. I don't know how long they've done pedigree. We, we went you, for Derby and, and there was a pint of pedigree on the concourse. And he was like, "They do pedigree now, Ben." And I was like, "Okay, Dad. All right. Is it still no card on this side, though?" On on the card machine front, you know that they're just trialing it in one stand to see if it'll take off. <laughs> like, it's, oh, I'm not sure. It's a bit. Yeah, it's sure. a bit modern. I'm not sure about this card malarkey. <laughs> I know we're basically a completely online business that works completely through card, um, but I don't know if it will work with these. Why would people want to buy a beer in the in the in the terraces? We've got Delilah's bar open at full time. <laughs> what you're you're saying? People need alcohol to enjoy stuff. <laughs> what what is this? You're you're buying a beer with without the Queen's face. This is a disgrace. <laughs> Who are you, James McLean? <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, so, so I think we've solved the the Coldplay issue anyway. Um, Andy Slee, the real challenge for SCFC is that Coates getting no younger. Uh, I think that applies to all of us. <laughs> no, no one is getting younger unless you're having some sort of Benjamin Button scenario. Those responsible for Vimmer and Bueller, Berahino and Hesse, etc. Probably £100 million investment. Should never work in football again. They seem at odds with Rowett, whose style is suited to lower Division 2 side than league favourites. Uh, kind of touches on the, the point of just... Who, who the fuck is running this club? Like, <laughs> who's, make, who's making the big decisions, really? Because... The, 
they're not doing a right good job, are they? No. And no, I, again, not. that yeah, that it's it's that broader thing of I don't think the sole issue with the club is that Gary Rowett plays negative football or that we don't play Bojan. There are far deeper issues that go years back you know we've 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 brought ourselves to this position through years of complacency and what's all the fuss about and bad recruitment and we we we've tried to we've tried to become a club that adopts like a transfer committee mentality you know it was tony pulis didn't really like that style that was one of the big grinding points Mm. eventually why he left or was was gone um and unfortunately we've just i would say on the whole there are far more players that you look at and can remember as being calamitous than you can oh yeah they did really well on that one like you don't remember the and zonzies and the aren't well you remember an out of it but then he left the swine um, you remember the Vimmers and the Imbulas and the Indies and the players who are no longer even around. It's yeah, yeah. That's why I don't really trust anything, and I dislike everything about we're, this football club. We're a big, we're a big club. That's a huge club. We're a big club um, that doesn't know how to be a big club. We are the big fish that is sort of. We want to be a small fish. We're, we're this little goldfish, but we're like encased in a big shark. We're like, how, how do we actually operate as a shark? We don't know. <laughs> we have no idea. And, and and that is the case off the pitch in the boardroom. That's the case on the pitch where we started the season, everyone wanted to beat us. And they're like, and they're like what? what yeah. How do we deal with this? We, we're the, what, what, what what do we do? And and now it, and it's, it's so depressing because three, four months in, is we've already become just another club. We're not getting beat because teams yeah. are like, we're really up for playing Stoke today. We really want to beat this big fish. We're just getting beaks for crap. We're getting beat because it's so obvious how to beat us. This isn't. We we no longer. There, there's there's other people. There's there's Frank Lampard's derby. There's there's Leeds. There's Norwich somehow now. They're the big fish. We're just another medium fish, but we still don't know how to be a medium fish. Mm. Yeah, your point about the the transfer committee, Chris, is is an interesting one and underlines your point, Ben, about us not really knowing what we're doing because. Transfer committees and that approach to recruitment can work and, and should work, provided you have the right people on it. Uh, the, the classic example of this is Lyon in France, who uh, basically adopted this approach for years and basically made investments in players and then turned a profit on them by selling them to Barcelona, Arsenal, Man United, whoever. And they... They weren't historically major a major force in French football, and they became one through this kind of calculated approach to transfers. Now, when we started finishing ninth in the Premier League, we should have a got some intelligent and worldly uh, people on that transfer committee. People who knew uh, kind of all uh, the game all across Europe, who knew up and coming players at uh-huh. European clubs even up-and-coming players at Championship and League One clubs, players who we could make investments in. And then, you know what, if Arnautovic goes to West Ham, if Shakiri goes to Liverpool, then we've turned a profit on them, we can invest in other players. People didn't expect Stoke, once we finished, once we finished ninth, to all of a sudden plough an extra 400 million in 
sign oh, the greatest players in the world and then challenge for the top four. Nobody expected that. But what we could have done, and this goes back to the ambition point, is actually thought thought about a sensible transfer policy. Not, okay, we've sold on out of it now because he wants to play for an ambitious club. Oh, God. Uh, Hesse at PSG loan? We seem to have signed in Bueller off the fact he played well against us in a friendly. And and it's it's things like that that, that add up, that make you worried about the kind of the ultimately the, the football knowledge of the people in charge of transfers at Stoke is Mark Cartwright being sent on European scouting trips what what is the policy when we buy Kevin Vimmer for 18 million we're never going to turn a profit on that even if he was really good we're never going to turn a profit on that are we identifying targets we actually need or are we identifying targets we can just get we're just getting so it's like when I first started playing football manager, I would just sign players for the sake of signing players because it was fun, you know, and who who is actually doing this? Is it Cartwright? Is it Scholes? Is it uh, any of the board? What is Rowett's involvement? There's no, there's uh, no joint because, there's Yeah, because some of the players, to be fair to them, that they have signed have been really good players. But again, were they just really good players we stumbled onto? Or were they really good players? Like, oh, Shakiri. Oh, we've heard of Shakiri. Let's get him, you know. So, you know, that's that's a broader point. And then obviously uh, things go wrong and we go down. And then we start a season as favourites for the league. And then we don't know what to do then. It's like, uh, again, sign anyone. Don't sign anyone in the positions we need. Uh, panic and get Ashley Williams in on loan when we, we start shipping goals. Turns out Ashley Williams, not that good either. And and then it's like, my worry is that we get to January and th- this whole thing starts again. It's like, oh God, who do, who, who do we sign now? Uh, we'll just sign another random midfield player who's just another Klukas Allen type. And who is ultimately going to really shake things up? Ultimately, we just got... Uh, a younger Paul Lambert for me with uh, a, a nice looking coaching staff because Kevin Phillips, good player, Delap legend. Yeah. What, what has really changed? It, it reminds me, uh, I've, I've been watching um, Parks and Recreation, which I know that you've mm. watched over. And one of the episodes in that, they have to design a mural for the, for the city hall um, because an old mural was horribly racist. Um, so this team in the parks and recreation department all have to come up with a, an idea for this new mural because they're going to design it and one of them will get picked. And instead of going for one specific idea, what they do in the end is just have a smorgasbord of all their various ideas, all random bits. There's like a, some impressionism in there. There's some murder in there from April. There's some just just this random thing that looks genuinely horrible. And that is what Stoke are now. We are, we are not. We don't go into transfer windows going identifying our target, saying, right, we need a centre-back in this window that does this, this and this. We need that, we need that. What instead we go is, right, let's sit here, we'll wait, what is available for us? Right, let's get that, 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 that. Oh, they're all shit. Oh, well, there we go. Let's try it again. Mm-hmm. Let's just do it again. And it's the same thing over and over. We we have no set plan for what we want. And I, uh, that was representative of, of, of Rao as well, because I, I don't know the specifics, and I can't remember who was who, but... The stories of the skulls and coats or whoever have different opinions of, of which manager we should brought in because one of them was Rowett and one of them was Martin O'Neill, I think, or whoever. 
But there's there's no set plan for this football club of what we want to be still, and and that is been plain to see for everyone except for the board for years and years and years and it's not going to change now because why would it it it, it comes back uh it, it's also um we're kind of proving the adage that a camel is a horse designed by committee if yeah. if if the stoke city committee tried to design a horse we'd end up with a swan because mm-hmm. we we wouldn't even get close to camel status um it, and it goes back to this thing of identity and I kind of think that what 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 we've done best in the past 20 years say is succeed and grind things out in the face of adversity some of the times when people wrote us off to to get relegated when people wrote Pulis off and he came back uh even some of the great performances when we're not favorites but you know uh, either through hook or by crook achieve something that's as close to an identity as I can pin it down for Stoke, rather than being long ball or, you know, attractive football or whatever. Um, But being favourites for a league doesn't compute with that. Mm-hmm. We've got a kind of disconnect between uh, rough, rough and ready Stoke, no one likes us, we don't care kind of thing, and the fact that, hang on, we've spent X million, we've got one of the best squads in the league, we've got the highest paid manager, we've got this, that and the other, and we're still miles away from getting close to pissing people off like we should. It's a complete it's a complete failure on the part of uh, the board, and indeed Rowett, to show some ambition, to, to say, look, because part of the problem in the latter Premier League years, was it was just like, oh, I'm just happy to be in the Premier League, and that's what kept you using a job. And I, I think people were like lenient on Rambert, cause, Lambert because it's like, oh, he sorted the defence out, oh, he's a nice guy. You know what? Let's just keep going. And it's like, no, aim higher, because that that's the only way anything is going to change. If we actually a put our money where our mouth is, b have a manager who tactically knows what he's doing is willing to change and is willing to get the best out of his squad which he's not doing he is definitely failing in that and it's also a kind of responsibility on the fans to to not put up with it which we're not doing right now we're saying actually Gary Rowett your football is shit fucking change it (laughs) will any will any of that change it does not look likely uh what did we think of Bojan's Instagram post? I just um, want to say fair enough, but that's extremely biased, probably. It is biased. I think it was probably more professional than Gary Rowett's comments, which, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it was passive-aggressive, but it's no worse than Gary Rowett telling a current player that yeah you were good three years ago but now you you passed it which Gary Rowett is the king of pa- uh, passive aggressiveness so I wouldn't uh, <laughs> I wouldn't worry about Bojan uh, and also like if Rojan had been in the team not performed and then been bombed out or if he'd uh, you know been in around the squad and was getting minutes off the bench then maybe people would have a point in having a go at it but he's clearly he's clearly been on his way for a while so don't yeah. mind him having this parting shot I think uh, yeah. it, like 
and it's definitely going to piss Rowett off because it's on Instagram and Moritz Bauer wasn't seen again <laughs> for doing an Instagram. Shall we, shall we get most... Gary Rowett an Instagram account for, for, for Christmas fun. and be like, see, it's fun. You can take pictures and share them with your friends. It's, it's, it's frustrating for me, the Bojan situation, because of how Gary knows what we feel about Bojan and there's no respect for that. Literally, it's one of his first comments as manager was, what is Bojan fan favourite and there's no I know like that shouldn't really count for anything when you pick a team but just have some respect for what we enjoy at least at least just understand as a fan you're obviously going to like a player like Bojan is he that much of an idiot to think that we prefer a player I don't know I don't want to be harsh on another player like Darren Fletcher to fucking Bojan Mm. no obviously we're going to like him so why 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 can't we like him just let us do that, you bloody idiot. It's so spiteful, isn't it? It's it's just... And I get if you were a manager and you'd made a big call on the team like that and not only the fact that you weren't succeeding but the fans were like chanting for this player who you didn't think was good enough, that would be annoying to you. But you can only really chip off like that if you're getting results mm-hmm. or if if you're if you're showing you can get by without him. And, and the risk of repeating myself, it's not that we think, oh, oh, the minute Bojan comes back, we'll win every game 3-0. No, of course not. We just, It's just so blatantly obvious. We're lacking creativity and match winners and excitement. Bojan is all three. Mm-hmm. Just fucking do something. Chris, can you cheer us up, please? <laughs> yeah. What would you like me to do? Sing a song? Uh, do a Chris, do a, do an end of year quiz. Ooh, hello. Yeah. Okay, end of year quiz. Why not? Big fat quiz of the Stokes. Um, all right. <laughs> um, there's there's five questions each. Uh, Ooh. I oh will let Ben. You can decide. Do you want to go first or second? I'll go first, please. You'll Chris. go first. Okay. I'll have a concert, ben. please, Chris. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Ben. Ben. <laughs> Number one, start of the year, Mark Hughes lost his job, didn't he, after a defeat to Coventry in the Cup. But can you tell me, what was the final score? Oh my goodness. Um, God, I'm rubbish at scores and things like that. We'd lost. One nil to Coventry. Ooh... I'm afraid, Ben, it was 2-1. It's fine, it's fine. You've still got time to regain. Dave, you're up next. As I just said, Hughes lost his job in January. But how many other managers had been sacked in the Premier League before him that season? That's a tough question. (laughs) I I knew knew Ben's one. (laughs) Uh, Who was with us that season? West Brom, they were shit. Swansea, have they sat their manager? One, two. Uh, who else was down there? Southampton. No, they got Hughes. Oh, I'm gonna. Mm. I I could I think there's two, but I think there might be a rogue one I've forgotten. So I'm gonna say three. Oof, I'm afraid 
six managers were sacked before Jesus. Mark Hughes. Yeah, I know, what? right? Like that's how long we had. So in order, goodness, Frank me. de Boer. Frank de Boer left Palace. Craig Shakespeare was sacked. Oh, Ronald yeah. Koeman was sacked. Slavin oh, Bilic was then gone. Tony Pulis. Gone. Oh, Marcus Tony Pulis. And then Paul Clement was Ooh. the last manager before Mark Hughes was sacked. Read read <coughs> those six names to me again, Chris. Fra- <laughs> <coughs> I'm going to cough instead. Frank de Boer. Craig mm-hmm. Shakespeare. Ronald Koeman. Slavin Bilic, Tony Pulis, Paul Clement. We'll take any of those six right now. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Madness. Ben, we'll go back to you. Paul Lambert came in after we got rid of Mark Hughes and got his first win against Huddersfield. But can you tell me who were the goal scorers for us in that game? We won 2-0. Yeah. Oh, I the goal scorers against Huddersfield. Mm, yes. Good question. Mm. <laughs> Shakiri and Alan. Oh, one of those is correct. I can only give you a half a point in that case. Alan is correct. The other yeah. one, Dave, do you know just for... Was- was it Juve? It was Juve. Oh. It was Juve. So, Ben, so far... You... I would be cleaning up on Ben's questions. I'm it's so all frustrated. Right, right it's, it's a good one for you then, Dave. Paul Lambert was in charge for 15 games at Stoke. Can you tell yes. me how many of those matches we won, drew and lost? <laughs> right, we won two. That is correct, right. yes. We won two. Uh, so, there's... Uh, right, quick maths. That's 13 games left. How many did we draw and lose? I'm going to say we drew five, drew six and lost seven. Oh, so close. Other way round. We drew seven oh. and lost six. Oh. It's all right. I'm going to give. I'm going to give you half a point for getting the two wins. Because otherwise, <laughs> oh, it's going to go well. Uh, ben, Ben, for those 15 games of Paul Lambert, how many goals did we score in total? It's a complete guess. Um, how many goals? Nine. Oh, close, but no cigar. We we scored 12. 12 goals in 15 games, I mean... Jeez. Right, we're back to you, Dave. Uh, hopefully an easy one. Uh, summer came and we m- did some stuff in the transfer window. Can you tell me who was our first summer signing? Our first... Oh, I'm not sure I can. Oh, it, it was... I was concentrating on the World Cup. Uh, our first one... Uh, was our first signing... Oh shit! It could be any of them. <laughs> uh, is that I can? I think I might be missing an obvious one. Our first signing was Benikafobe. Oh, I'm afraid our first signing. We were looking out for him at the World Cup because we'd never even heard of the bloke. Uh, oh shit! It was a tebo. Oh, I would have gone for a phobe as well. Annoying. To be fair. Damn. All right. Got, well, so, so far, you're on half a point each. It's going well. Yeah. Ben, 
So this season, so far, how many 2-2 draws have we had? Okay. So Villa's the most recent one, I think. I go four. It is actually six, which is alarming, isn't it? Preston, Sheffield Wednesday, Rotherham, QPR, Reading, and Villa. Ugh. Dave, your chance to get ahead here. <laughs> Sido scored his first goal for the club this season, but who was it against? Huddersfield Town. It is correct. Dave has a point. A point yes. and a half. It's like one of those penalty shootouts where p- players keep missing it inexplicably. Is. Ben, back to you. Our other striker, Benicophobi, has been uh, in a noise. How many goals does he have this season? In all competitions. In all competitions. I don't know if that changed anything. Um, <laughs> how many goals has he had? So, Tomlin's top scorer, I think, with six. Okay. A phobia, I'm going to say four. Oh, you were so close. It's six. You said it. Ah! Oh. Which, I mean, means that Dave is going to be the winner. But for this question to see if he, oh, he, will, no, if he will wipe up the floor. <laughs> Finally, back on Sido for you, Dave. He made his international debut for Burundi this year. But oh, damn. I was reading Burundi in my head. And he, sorry, he scored on his debut as well. Who did he score against? As oh, in what nation, hell. not the goalkeeper. I don't expect you to know that. Um, I, now I have a feeling he played against this team, but I don't know if he scored against them. And we go for South Sudan. Oh, I'm afraid it is not South Sudan. Was it Gabon? It was Gabon. Gabon. It was Shit. Gabon. And finally, one for you both. Just as just as a bit of fun in it. In the year 2018, how many games have we won? Um, so it was two before. Mm-hmm. The championship. I think have we won eight? Is this all competitions? Uh, it is all competitions. Yeah, I think we've won. Have we won eight. Eight this oh, season. Oh, in all competitions. Plus, plus two, and we won a cup game. Eleven. Yeah. Are you agreeing, Ben? Well, yeah. I mean, that sounds like sure. Logic. Why not? Because it was eleven. You both win that one. Way. Well, I mean, Woo. lots of hard work from me there. <laughs> I mean, just that quiz was really depressing. I thought it was trying to cheer you up. But, you know. It's reminding me of, six, of how rubbish we've been. Six two two draws, like Jesus Christ. Oh well, that was my quiz, Dave. Mm. I hope you liked it. I, I very much enjoyed the quiz. It was difficult, <laughs> but I imagine our listeners have done a lot better than than we did. Um. Do, 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 do. Yeah, that's not a very good noise. <laughs> uh, is there anything else we want to mention? I feel a bit talked out, yeah. Uh, yeah. to be honest. Uh, dear. It's a new year, though. <laughs> 2019. Stuff to look forward to. It's going to be positive. New year, new us. New stone. <laughs> I doubt We it. said this last year. <laughs> yeah. We did. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, what, what a celebratory episode this has been. 150 episodes of uh, the Wizards of Drivel podcast. 
Uh, quickly, lads, your favourite podcast memories. Let's have some nostalgia. Oh, oh gosh! <laughs> don't uh, don't all jump in at once. No, I'm I'm okay. Uh, I mean, interviewing Ricardo Fuller's pretty special, isn't it? It's pretty good. Yeah, he's uh, he was a top top bloke, um, and that's kind of a highlight in it, really. Yeah. Uh, I liked when we had Andy Cook on the podcast, and he couldn't remember anything about his career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear me. Um, yeah, I mean, there's been some good people. Higgy- there was the uh, the oatcake thread about deploying Goy. Yes. Which... <laughs> deploying Goy in general has been really fun. That was a yeah. good... When, when the sun took it completely seriously. And, uh... Uh, no, we, I, I ended up getting a cross email from uh, the Mirror's chief football writer. Who is it? John Cross. Yeah, John Cross. Yeah. I got a cross email from John Cross. <laughs> because because they'd credited it to Stoke Loud and Proud. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? What was his oh, general just, gist? He was just cross. He was just yeah. He was just cross. John Cross is always. How cross. dare you, Stoke fans, have an, a, an opinion or a voice? <laughs> there was there was a, there was the great like the great sort of was it five 0 loss to Spurs in Sheffield? Right oh now. yeah. That was good. Lovely, oh yeah, a lovely old time. Got on the tram, yeah. had a Nando's. We did, yeah, we did have a Nando's. Did have that a was Nando's. Nice. We yeah. Mm. That was mm. the highlight of the podcast has been going out to a restaurant. <laughs> For a Nando's. Um, it's been, been it's been good to chat to a lot of Stoke fans though. Like I've enjoyed some of the people we've had had on who you wouldn't usually get to talk to, like having Zach on the american boy who keeps telling us to have him back on the podcast calls us cowards which that doesn't endear that doesn't endear us to want to bring you back is, on is Zach. is Zach is Zach the bojan of of wizards we we keep not we keep not playing him despite calls for him to <laughs> this, return yes oh, definitely on a postcard and then when you when we've been to like games and people are like oh are you those lads from the podcast and it's like yeah that's that's interesting uh, yeah, uh, and then you're kind of like a bit nervous. What are they going to say next? Yeah, it's like, oh, are you from the podcast? Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I quite like it. Oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. Um, I met someone at Spurs away who I uh, had blocked me on Twitter because we'd had a falling out about something. <laughs> uh, but he, he was all right. Uh, I've enjoyed doing the preview podcast and speaking to fellow uh, fans of other clubs who are kind of similarly nerdily inclined and just uh, doing their own clubs podcasts or doing their own blogs and stuff uh, some of the people we've had on this season Pete Smith uh, Tony Lloyd uh, we had Trouser Dog on and Rob Doolan uh, what else what else have we done enjoyed the, the World Cup episodes for some yeah. light relief uh, Potter Mouth was great uh, our first interview with Higgy uh was also pretty good. Uh, meeting Gordon Banks, how could I forget? Yeah, mm. it's been a lot of fun. 150 episodes. Uh, don't listen to the first five, I'd say. But after that, <laughs> it starts to get a bit more into its stride uh, as a podcast. Um, but we, we have to also accept our culpability in Stokes' downfall. Since this has started, we've been shit. 
Yeah. We need Merry to, Christmas need... and a Happy New Year. <laughs> yeah, we need to Merry... stop this now. 100 and, 150 <laughs> okay. episodes. It's been it's been fun, but we we are being detrimental to the health of the club and ourselves. Maybe it's on maybe it's on like in boardroom meetings. Instead of talking about transfers, they're talking about that bloody podcast has how, ruined how us. And they're we, all just crying. How do we stop the podcast, boys? We need to stop them. Now you order a pizza. Yeah. Everything will be good soon. Oh, lovely. It's been lovely having uh, you with me, guys. Uh, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Happy New Year. Oh, yeah. Uh, thank you very much for sticking with this podcast during this trying, trying time for Stoke City. Uh, feels like I say that every week, but uh, especially mean that on our 150th episode. Uh, thank you for sticking with us. Um, yeah, fuck it. Go on Stoke.